Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I believe by faith that there are people here that God is giving songs to. And sometimes, listen to this, sometimes it's for you to worship it back to God. And then sometimes is for you to do it, get it on paper, worship to God, and then write it down so everybody else could sing that inspired song. Have you ever wondered why there's certain songs that you sing that are so anointed? And it's just no matter how many times you sing that song. Why? Because sometimes, not all the time, sometimes the person that wrote that song got it directly from the Holy Spirit. He wasn't trying to fit. It wasn't like, let me just try. Oh, this sounds good. No, it was they woke up and they got a download from heaven for a song. Jesus. This is proven in regards to worship again. Now listen to me, no talking please. Philippians chapter 3 in the in New King James Version, look at what it says. It even says in the New Testament. Now we're still on the spirit part. I'll get to the truth part in a second, all right? Everybody say worship in spirit, right? Philippians 3 says this, for we are the circumcision, this is what Paul said, who worship God, watch this, in the spirit. Say in the spirit. Say in the spirit. Okay, now this is, this, is, this is New Testament. Why? Because Paul was encountering people that are saying, only those who have been physically circumcised are true Jews. And he goes, no, no, no. Those who are truly the circumcision are ones who worship God in spirit. Now, next time you worship, ask yourself, are you worshiping in spirit? Because he says you must worship. I'm not, this is not to condemn anybody. Like, oh, my God, I've got it all wrong. No, no, no. It's to challenge you that you need the participation and involvement of the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody say, in truth. All right, now before we, now I want you to listen to this next slide if it's working. Worshiping in truth means, watch this, listen to me, listen to me. According to the truth of God's word and who God is, and according to the truth in God's word and who God says we are in Christ. In other words, when we worship God in spirit, it's through the partnership and aid of the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit and inspired by the Holy Spirit. Worshiping him in truth means you're worshiping God for who he says he is and you're worshiping God out of the identity place that he says you are. That's worshiping God in truth. Why? Because there are some people that worship God with a false pretense of who God is. The whole time some of you are worshiping God, you are worshiping God in an image. You're worshiping an image in your mind of a taskmaster God, yet you're still worshiping that God. And God is not a taskmaster. Do you know that you could worship God and have a false ideology of who you're worshiping because you're thinking, well, I have to, wor- I have to worship him. And, and, and so he's just this God who's just kind of like, wait, he's mad at me because I'm not worshiping him. No, 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 that's not worshiping him in truth. Worshiping his truth is worshiping God in who he says he is and who he says you are. Worshiping God means that you worship out of the place of being a son and daughter of Christ, not as an orphan in Christ. Because there is no orphans in God's kingdom. Only sons and daughters. There's only sons and daughters. And if you worship in that image, sorry, that reality, you will release such glory in your life. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? So some people have this this false ideology or, or, or they worship out of duty. How many have you ever worshiped out of duty? How many have worshiped out of duty before? Okay. Or obligation, right? 
Some people are constantly worshiping out of condemnation, obligation, out of duty. But God says those who worship me must, must worship me in spirit and in truth. Here's another thing that I've seen people worship. They worship because they feel condemned because they've done so many bad things. So I'm just going to go and worship. I'm just going to go and worship because I'm such a bad person. Listen to me, guys. That's not worshiping in truth. I want you to put this slide up. This is powerful. Worshiping in truth means we, oh, I love this. I'm going to shout. If you nobody shouts, I'm going to shout by myself. We are, worshiping in truth means that we are sons of God and the bride of Christ who are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Understanding this, come on somebody, gives us confidence before God to worship him without fault or condemnation. Here's what worshiping in truth means. When you worship, do you see yourself as a son and a daughter without having to prove anything to God? That's hard, huh? Because many times we worship, we're saying, Lord, I'm just, here I am. I'm doing it out of duty, and you're worthy. But if you see yourself as a son and a daughter, there's no condemnation attached or fault or guilt to your worship. It's pure. Come on, say, it's pure. Another way of worshiping in truth is with sincerity and purity of heart. Watch this, without ulterior motives. Say ulterior motives. You know what worshiping in truth is? Meaning, worshiping in truth means worshiping God for who he is, not what you could get out of worshiping God. I'm not going to embarrass my kids, but there was, there was a couple of times, you know, when they were growing up that I could tell they came to me because they wanted something. You know that, parents, Right? They'll be like this, you know, like, they, they, they normally, you know, I'm the hugger in the family, just, you know, duh, right? Like, everybody, it's not a surprise. So, and, you know, they, they, you know, it takes like a miracle for them to come to me and hug me. And if they do, I'm like, glory to Jesus. Jesus is coming back soon, right? But sometimes they'll hug me because they want something. So they'll, they'll be like this. Hey, Daddy. I love, I love you. You know I love you, right? And I'm like, you want something. <laughs> what do you want? Like, I, I, okay, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Can I sleep over at my friend's house? Fine, give me another hug. Go ahead. <laughs> but worshiping in truth is worshiping without ulterior motives. Oh, I'm going to preach this. That means if you don't get anything out of it, that means you worship. If, if you're ever in a worship service and you say, I've got nothing from worship today, you worship for the wrong reasons. If you say, i got nothing from worship, then you worship with an ulterior motive the whole time you're singing to the Lord. Why? Because you're expecting him to do something because you worship. Let me tell you, yes, we benefit from worship 100%. But let me tell you, God gets your worship. He gets your worship. And so if you've ever been in a service and say, I, get, I got nothing out of that, it's because you're so more concerned about the style than engaging your heart with the Lord. And let me tell you, if you do it with a pure motive, what will happen is your heart will become tender. And he'll start doing something very supernatural in your heart when you worship in spirit and in truth. Come on, can I hear an Amen. Do you know that this is even in the Old Testament? This is not just an Old Testament reality. I mean, New Testament reality. Do you know this, this is in the Old Testament? Now, it's not said verbatim, spirit and truth in the Old Testament. But the principle of, of seeking after God in sincerity and truth with all of your heart 
is actually found in the Old Testament. When God looked at David and he was stripping away the kingdom of Saul for his disobedience, he could have said this. This is mind-boggling me. God could have said, I have found someone that is qualified in their leadership and have took years of training in leadership to be the next king. Or he could have said, I have found somebody that has been raised in the house of the Lord all their life, and they have humility on them, and they're going to be the next king. You know, what G- G- you know what God said through a prophet when he says, I have a criteria for the next king, and this is my choice? I have found someone after my own heart. Look at 1 Samuel 13, verse 13. This is beautiful. In other words, these are raiders of the lost ark. These are people that said, I'm going to go after God in my private time, whether I get a position or not. I'm going to, be, I'm going to play that harp like no one ever played that harp before. I'm going, to, I'm going to worship God, and I'm not going to worship God because I need something. I worship God because he's redeemed me, and I love him. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the the commandments of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. (laughs) But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has, watch this, watch this now, sought for himself a man, oh man, after, after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. Guys, David worshiped the Lord in such a way that it captured God's attention. You know, you, you know, what, you know what really in the, just really the PG version, the PGV version means? God is seeking after people who are seeking after him. That's, a, okay, so, so watch, Lou, come here, come here, come here. So I, I didn't rehearse this, all right? So start coming after, after me. Get, get in that pole. Start coming to me, but don't look at me. Just kind of just start praising God, it's, but, but looking in different directions, right? Here's what God is doing. Come on, out loud, out loud, out loud. Lord, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Boom. Now he's seeking the Lord, but the whole time the Lord is drawing near to him because God is seeking after those who are seeking after him. That's what it's all about. Now, does God hear everyone? Yes. But listen, I'm going to say something shocking today that you're probably going to hear for the first time. In heaven and in God's eyes, there's a way to measure the intensity of your worship. Got quiet up in here in this Methodist church here. There's a way that God gauges the intensity of your worship. Now, I'm not, this is not to be legalistic. It's not. And by the way, let me just say this. The intensity of your worship is not measured by extravagance or loudness or volume. All right? Because you could be as loud as a firecracker and be dead on the inside the whole time. But I'm going to tell you in a few moments that God actually, actually desires for you to worship him in spirit and truth. But I tell you that there is a measurable experience what God wants. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to you in just a second. But everybody say worship. Everybody say worship. I want you to see this slide. This is very important. When we're worshiping in spirit and truth, say spirit and truth. Remember, what spirit means and what truth means in your identity, okay? Not a false identity, not a false uh, uh, identity in who you are. But anytime you worship, worship acknowledges ownership. Say that with me. Worship 
acknowledges ownership. Whoever or whatever we worship has ownership of our life. If you worship the gym, it has ownership over your life. If you worship yourself, your image, it has. If you worship your talent, it owns you. If you worship the TV, if you worship the movie stars, if you if you worship the athletes, they own you. Whatever you worship or whoever you worship can own you. And there's some people in here that claim to be Christians, but they have other masters. Oh boy, oh boy. They love the Lord and they jump in church, but finances is their God. They may not say, they might not say, I worship you, finances, but they're living the worship and ownership that, that finance owns them because they're not willing to relinquish it to be obedient to the Lord. So whatever you're not willing to relinquish that is from God, that means they owns you. Some people, your your owner is bitterness and offense because you're not willing to part from that bitterness because of all the hurt that has been done to you. And so you withhold forgiving other people. So guess what? Whatever you do that, whenever you acknowledge that, that means you are worshiping that more than you're worshiping God. Worship acknowledges ownership. This is, please hear me now, the number one reason that Satan came to Jesus in these three temptations. You know why? I'm going to give you a revelation you never heard before. Satan was after ownership. He wasn't just after Jesus singing songs to Satan. Jesus, I want you to sing to me, and I want you to worship me. No, he was after ownership. The reason why Satan came to Jesus in the, in the wilderness, and he said, number one, if you're the son of God, Turn these stones into bread. Number two, if you're the son of God, go up and jump off of this cliff. And the Bible says, he was quoting scripture. You know that, that Satan quotes more scripture than Christians. He says, if you fall down, the Bible says, or scripture says, it is written that the angels will carry you. Talk about a twisted script, per, twisting the scripture. And then the third thing he said this, watch this. I want you to come up here, Jesus, come up here, come up here. See all these kingdoms. All these things. I can imagine Jesus going, you see all this? I could give this to you. It's been given to me. If you just watch this, bow down and worship me. But here's the problem. You can't give to someone that, something that you don't own. Jesus owned everything. Without, without him, nothing was made that was made. And so, so he's trying to get, so, and, and Satan knew that. He, he knew that. But you know what Satan was afterwards? ownership because if Jesus would have bowed down and worshiped him he would have had ownership over Jesus and I love what Jesus says I, I, I love it because Jesus is a gangster sometimes and he just slap he just goes get behind me Satan for you shall worship the Lord your God <laughs> oh come on man he's like no 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 I'm not gonna worship you I'm your God I'm the God of the universe and and you're gonna worship me you're gonna bow down before me one day Come on, say amen. So say, say this after me. Say worship acknowledges ownership. Now ask yourself, don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. What do you think you worship? What do you worship in your life? Do you worship food? Do you worship TV? Yes, we worship God. But when you worship God, are you worshiping him in spirit with the aid and partnership of the Holy Spirit? Or is it because you need something? 
You know, if you're, if you're married, you don't want your partner to love you just because you give them a lot of money to go shopping. I love you, baby. Give me some money. Okay, now I'm going to go and spend like $500. And then, oh, you don't love me. No, no, that's not worship. That's not God. That's not love. You worship God in spirit and in truth, right? So, so to be these, these spiritual raiders of the lost ark, we've got to develop one main thing. And that I believe is lacking in the body of Christ today, if I'm going to be honest with you. We need to learn how to develop true hunger for God. Because we truly cannot worship if there's not hunger there. If there's, if, if, if there's a happenstance uh, uh, um, desire for the Lord, let me just tell you, does God accept our weak? Yes, yes. But we need to hunger. And I want you to put this, uh, this point on the screen because this is going to help you. What we feed on the most will be what we crave for the most. Somebody say amen. What we feed on the most is what you will eventually crave. Some people tell me, Pastor George, I'm just not hungry. I love God, but I'm just not hungry. I tell them, what are you feeding on? I'm just not hungry. I'm just not hungry for God. What are you feeding on? Do you open the Bible on a regular basis? Do you read the Word? Do you, do you lock yourself for a couple moments before you go to, to, to your job and spend time with God? Or is this something that you do because it's just the right thing to do? You're never going to last if it's something just because it's the right thing to do. Ne nor will you last if, it's, if you're trying to escape hell. If you're trying to escape hell, it, your, your transformation will be short-lived. Jesus is not a fire escape. He's God. And he wants a relationship with you and I. So watch this. Whatever you feed on the most will dictate your cravings. Let me give you an example. How many health people like that you weren't born healthy, but like you made a decision to go healthy, right? Right? You're like, like vegans, vegetarians, God bless you guys. Uh, you know, lay hands on me after service, right? Watch this. Isn't it true that you had to change, you had to discipline yourself to go from sweets and honey buns and, and burgers or whatever and, and, and fried food to eating vegetables, fruit, good stuff. <laughs> I don't even know. Watch this. But watch this. Watch this now. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Eventually, you develop a hunger for the good stuff. At first, you're like, oh, man, you know, like, like me, coffee, black coffee, uh-uh, it just doesn't work. Like, I got to have some, 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 some milk, cafe con leche, you know, some sugar. And I, you know, I'm just not disciplined enough to just go straight black coffee. But everyone who has switched, everyone, everyone that have truly switched, they said, Pastor George, I used to didn't like it. But now I can't go back to that sugary stuff. Why? Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Because what you hungry or hungry for, you crave for. Here's the thing. I remember John Bevere saying something one time that he, you know, before he got really healthy, like he was having this, the Twinkies and honey buns. And, so, you know, sometimes it's all about accessibility. If it's in your house, you're going to eat it, right? I'm like, babe, don't buy those things because if it's in there, I'm going to get it. Right? He said that one time he was, you know, the, the, the honey buns and the Twinkies and the, all this stuff. He said one day he decided cold turkey. He said, I'm going to start eating healthy. He goes, at, at first it was like eating grass. And then slowly he started disciplining himself. See, hunger requires discipline. You just can't. Lord, give me hunger. Oh, there you go. Hunger is all over you now. There it is. I just lay hands on you. You got hunger for righteousness. No, no, no. You have to change your appetite in order to change your hunger. 
your spiritual taste buds will change when you change what you eat. So these people start started uh, having uh, these radical changes. And guess what? They actually crave for the salads. They crave for the fruit. They crave all these, uh, these good natural things. And when they taste what they used to like, they don't like it anymore. What changed? The taste buds changed because their cravings changed. Do you know what we need to be true worshipers? A hunger change. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I, I, I did the Greek version of, 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 of um, hunger in that scripture, in the Beatitudes. And I found out that that word hunger in the Greek, in the Beatitude, means a desperate starvation for righteousness. Wow. I'm not talking about like, I'm hungry, I want to go to Wendy's. I'm talking about, if I don't eat now, I'm going to die. You know what that Greek word, those who hunger, that word Greek hunger, is a starvation hunger. Are you starving for the Lord? Because when you do, I guarantee you, you won't want, you won't want the spiritual honey buns that the world will offer you. That's for sure. You won't want the spiritual Twinkies that the world will offer you. Like, like, come on, the world is going, hey, there's some Twinkies and honey buns. And you're like, I've crossed over. I ain't going back to those honey buns. I got, I got the real stuff right now. And let me tell you something. Isn't it true that the things that you used to like, I remember my dad, I'll never forget, my dad was a, a, was a chain smoker. Years, I mean, I'm talking about when I, was, when I was 10. We were in Miami, and there was one time, and, he, and this is without the Holy Ghost. Think about this, this is without the Holy Spirit. He was like smoking all the time. And my, ma- my mom, thank God for the Cuban mom in my, in, in my she's like, no. She's like, you're not going to smoke here, and if you do, you're going to go outside. So my dad was like, fine, I'll go outside. All right. And he was smoking. And then one time my mom gave him an article, right, an article uh, about uh, blood pressure and, and white blood cells or red blood cells going high for those who smoke. And this was in the 80s, okay, so we, there was no Internet, right. He went to the doctor, and lo and behold, everything that my mom said he actually had in his body. And he got terrified. This is amazing. Without the Holy Spirit. He quit cold turkey, cold turkey, two packs a day of Marlboro when I was 10. Cold turkey, right? He told me years later that, that after he sustained for over 10 years, now he's been, now he's been smoke free for like probably 30 years. But he said after 10 years, he went to a bathroom or five years. He went to a bathroom back in those days. You know, you could, you, they allowed people to smoke in the restaurants and all that stuff. And so he went to the bathroom. He says, he says son, I almost vomited. I go, why? He goes, because I smelled the smoke. I go, but you used to be two packs a day. He goes, I no longer crave that. It's the complete opposite. Why? Because what you crave for, what you feed on the most, will be what you crave for the most. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear a better amen? I'm almost closing here. What we really need to understand is this, and this is the last thing that I'm going to say, and I want the worship thing to start coming up. Okay? God's reward system. Everybody say God's reward system is directly related to the degree that you seek him. Now you say, Pastor George, where in the world is that in the Bible? God's reward system is related or tied into the degree in which uh, you search after him. Remember a couple minutes ago I said that, that your worship, can, your intensity can be measured by the Lord, right? Remember I said that? I'm going to prove it to you. Now remember the, the remember the, the the Hall of Fame um, the Hall of Fame scripture on faith is in Hebrews. But I want you to see something in Hebrews chapter eleven verse six. Everybody say this after me. Say this. Say God's reward system 
is directly related to the degree in which I seek after God. Now look at this. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We know that, right? We know that. It's all faith, right? No, no, no. But keep reading. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, a, he is and that he is a rewarder. I want you to read this slowly. Of those who diligently seek him. Notice the word diligently. Notice that it didn't say, and God is a rewarder for those who casually seek him. Notice that it didn't say, for those who, who come after God or seek God, know that he is a rewarder for those who half-heartedly in their weakness seek God. No, he said, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Everybody say diligently. Everybody say diligently. He didn't say God is going to reward you for your casual seeking, your sometime seeking. He said for your diligent seeking. You know, I looked at the word diligent. It's going to be up there. The word diligent means this. In Hebrews, to seek out or pursue with passionate energy, focus, and precision. Diligent. Everybody say diligent. When someone says, you need to do your job diligently, what is actually that command for? Has your boss ever said, I want you to diligently do your job? Uh, let's just say this. You go in for a, re a review, right? And you sit down in front of your boss. Come on, let's just take the mask off. And your boss says, you're not being diligent in your work. Now notice, he didn't say you're not working. He said, you're not being diligent in your work. What does that translate to you? What, is it, what, what does that translate to you? Hey, you're not being diligent in your work. That means you're working, but you're coming in late. You're not finishing your job. Notice that he's not saying you're not working. Do you see that there's a, a measurable degree here? You see this, right? Diligently means you're focused, you're precise, there's precision, there's focus, and you're not going to stop until it gets done. He is a rewarder of those who diligently on purpose, with focus and intentionality, seek him. Now, God's reward system is attached to the degree that we worship God. Now, please, I'm going to put it all in scripture for those of you who are saying, I don't agree with that. I'm going to give you all scripture. That was the first one. I want you to notice in the next few minutes as I close, how many times God is specific with the phrases like this, with all of your heart. Have you ever stopped and noticed that if God says with all of your heart, it's possible to, to do it with half of your heart? They got quiet up in here. If God says with all of your heart, is it possible? I mean, he's not dumb, right? If, it was, if, if with all of your heart was automatic, he wouldn't need to say all of your heart. He would say, everyone is automatically worshiping me with all of their heart. He says, no, look, look, look at this. Now, I want you to see this in the Old Testament. I'm almost done. Look at Jeremiah. I'm going to start popping off some scriptures, but I want this to speak to you because I want you to worship the spirit and truth with intensity because it's measurable, right? God sees your heart. And here's the thing, guys. If you're casually seeking him, you're not going to get the full reward. Is God going to be mad at you? No, but there's so much more that you are not tapping into. Because you're hurt, you're offended, you're trying to prove something. There's a way to 
serve God. There's a way to worship God. And the Bible, remember, says, those who worship me, watch this, must worship me in spirit and truth. There, in other words, there's no plan B the way that I want my people to worship me. Now watch this. Jeremiah chapter 29. Look what it says. Famous scripture. A lot of us read it for youth camps, right? But it's not a youth camp. It's actually a scripture. You know when this scripture was said? Right after the, set, the, the, the prophecy that they were going to be in Babylon for 70 years. Like, like God says, hey, you guys, because of your obedience, disobedience, you're going to be held captive for 70 years. It actually said that right before this. But I got good news for you, though. Even though you're going to be disciplined because of your sin, I know the thoughts that I think, God is so amazing. He's like, even in my discipline, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I still think good of you. I just need to give you a little bow bow so you can come back. Because you're, 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 listen, you're rejecting me, so I'm going to give you over to what you desire. Even in the New Testament, the Bible says, they gave them over to a reprobate mind. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, and give you a future and a hope. Everyone say this after me. Say, God's reward system is tied into the intensity and degree of how I seek him. Watch this. Then you will call upon me. I'm going to get excited here. And you will pray to me. And I will listen to you. Wait, wait. Oh, wait. How, when will you listen to us, God? Watch this. Look at verse 13. And you will seek me. And you will find me. When you search for me. All these benefits that you're going to get. Only come when you seek with me, not with half of your heart, not with not with 75% of your heart, not haphazardly like, all right, Lord, I guess I'll do it, but man, I'm hungry, hurry up. I hope Pastor George hurries up. That's not all of your heart. All of your heart is this. I don't care what time it is. George is taking long, isn't he? No, he's not. I love this. I'm spending time with God. You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Ask yourself this serious question. Have you found yourself, even at church, being in such a rush to leave the presence of God? Could it be that you've become bored with God? Could it be that you're not worshiping God with all of your heart? That some other thing has your heart and not God all the way? I heard, I saw a meme the other day that's so powerful. It says, there's no secret of the soul that behavior will not reveal. You can, you can, you can fake it all you want, but it's going to ooze out of you in your actions. Oh yes, I worship God with all my heart. I'm, just, I'm one of those, I'm one of those guys. Yep, yep, I am. And then when no one's looking, you're like, oh my God, hurry up. I'm just giving you an example. I'm not saying that worshiping God is a time length, okay? I'm just giving you an example. Now watch this. Look at the other scripture. Look at this. It's measurable. All, scripture is measurable. Your, your seeking is measurable. Look at 2 Chronicles 16.9. I'm just going to pop off scriptures. are going to close. Watch this. NLT. Read it with me. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth 
in order to strengthen those whose hearts are are halfway committed to me 85% committed to me and that's okay fully committed to me come on you act like you don't expect that from your own wife or your own husband do you think that you it'll be okay for you ladies for your husband to say hey listen I'll, I'll serve you 364 days out of the year but one day just one day let me be unfaithful and I, if you let me be unfaithful just one day I'll give you breakfast in bed I'll massage you for 364 days do you think that woman's gonna be like sure Go ahead, be unfaithful one day. I want those massages. No, you want all or nothing, baby. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You're saying, no, you're saying, no, 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 no. I want 365 days of you. There's nothing wrong with asking that. It's called commitment. And we preach the gospel in America that it's okay with, to, to live for God half-heartedly and half-committed. You cannot have full-time blessings with part-time commitment. You can. You must give all. You will seek me and you will find me when you search with me with all of your heart. He didn't say a perfect heart. He said all of your heart. With all your weaknesses, don't confuse all with perfect. He said with all of your heart. Look at the next one. Look at the next one. Psalm 119. I'm almost done. Psalm 119. One through two. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with the whole heart. Am I getting through to some of you? Your worship is measurable in the spirit and only God knows. If you're doing it halfway, out of duty, or if you're abandoning yourself. I love what the Mary of Bethany did when Jesus came to Bethany and sat down and she was delivered from demons and she was delivered from darkness. It was that same Jesus that one day delivered. He's there. He's talking. He's talking to people and all of a sudden this woman broke this alabaster box. That's whole. That's whole heart right there. There's nothing to spare. And it was worth a whole year's wages, the Bible says. Imagine, whatever you guys make in a year, imagine. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. You have to pay your rent. You have to pay food, you have to live. But you're taking that and you're saying, I'm not gonna pay my house payment right now. I'm not gonna pay my college payment. I'm gonna take all this, I'm gonna give it to Jesus. That was an act of worship. She, she spilled that whole oil all over, worship, uh, all over Jesus and she began to wipe his feet with her hair. And everyone was getting mad at this woman and Jesus goes, I've been here the whole time. You never gave me a, a kiss. You never, you never wiped it. She is doing this as an act of worship for my burial. Guys, worshiping with all your heart is more than a Sunday service with four songs. I'm gonna leave you with the last one, the most famous scripture of all when it comes to measurable heart level of worship, okay? Mark chapter 12, the most famous one, most famous one. And you shall love the Lord your God. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. With, look at this, look how many times he says all. He's a jealous God. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Wait, 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 wait. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart, 
that means it's possible to not love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul. That means it's possible that you don't love, you can't, you can love God with, with partially desires in your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first and great commandment. God's reward system is directly related to the degree in which we seek after God. I want you to close your eyes. Is it with all of your heart? Is it with some of your heart? Is it out of obligation? Or is it out of joy? Is it as a taskmaster God? Or is it to a loving Father that forgives you? Do you have restrictions on your worship? Or do you have unrestriction in worship? Do you have distraction in your worship? Or do you have undistraction in your worship? Are you worshiping in spirit and in truth? And I'm going to close with this. And we're going to stand up and we're going to worship today. We've got to be like this Shulamite woman. In the Song of Solomon. The Bible says she was so hungry to see her bridegroom that she disturbed the whole city. She said, have you seen my beloved? Have you seen the one who I love? Where is he? And everyone was like, be quiet, Shulamite woman. You're disturbing the whole city. I don't care about disturbing the whole city. I want all of him. I must have all of him. I don't want part of him. I want all of him. Have you seen him? Have you seen the one I love? Have you seen him? I, I, I need to find him. Some of you will never have joy like you're wanting until you worship God in spirit and truth. Some of you, you never have that ecstasy that you're looking for unless you abandon yourself and stop being so uh, professional. And start being a little kid again and start weeping in the presence of the Lord and start abandoning yourself and worshiping in spirit and truth. And if you're satisfied with half-hearted worship, then be satisfied with half-hearted blessing. Be satisfied then with, with you just barely making it. But if you want to thrive, and if you want to go deeper, the Bible says deep calls unto deep. If you want to go deeper, you need to, you must worship in spirit and truth. You must worship God for who he is out of the identity of sons and daughters of God. If that's you, and you want to be a spiritual raider. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.